This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Quinton Coleman, who is the co-founder and CEO at Cover. Cover are a global insurtech business based in Brussels, and it's a pleasure to have Quentin joining me today. Welcome to the show, Quentin. Thanks, Nick, and thanks a lot for the invitation. Quentin, it's a pleasure to have you joining us today. Really looking forward to hearing more about the great work that you're doing there at Cover and uh, some of those growth plans that you have there. Before we start on that, though, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of context into your background and your career and that journey that led to you starting the business? Yeah, sure. So I'm 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 a Belgian guy. Uh, I'm about 38 years. Uh, I have um, I tend to say I have no kids, but instead I have two little monsters uh, of <laughs> one and a half and, and four years old, and 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 a great wife. Uh, my background was a bit kind of classic. You know, I studied uh, engineering, applied mathematics. Afterward, I did a master in finance, and I started directly my career in a traditional insurance company at Allianz, one of the biggest players in in the Benelux. I, you don't really choose to work for insurance you go there by accident i would say but it has been eight wonderful years where i could actually you know really understand deeply the business uh, both on the non-life insurance and the life insurance side in 2012 so at mid-time of this career at Allianz, i've been sent to an mba in berlin uh the smt uh, that i enjoy a lot but at the same moment you know when you break your career and you do an mba it kind of reopened every doors of everything being possible so i still had to work afterwards three years for Allianz because they they, they finance my mba so you should really question as a company, uh, do you finance MBA? Because afterwards, people tend to leave the business. And, and you know, I, I was pretty much in this in this traditional insurance player, which was a great place to be in. Uh, having said that, I was at the same time witnessing uh, the uh, creation of disruptive businesses. You know, we speak about the neobank, the new mobility, the travel tech, the prop tech. And I was thinking that fundamentally, the way uh, insurance players are organized, do not fit at all or uh, the, this momentum, those opportunities are not able to tackle actually those new opportunities. And this is why, you know, I, I decided to kind of uh, quit Alliance and launch my own InsurTech with, with one of my best friends, uh, GC, Jean-Charles Velge. Um, with my associate today, we are both uh, co-founders and we have been also best men at each other wedding since then. We know each other since 10 years. So it's first of all a friend and then it's, a, it's an associate. First of all, friends, and second of all, business partners. That's fantastic and a, and a great story. So w- was it really taking that time out to do that MBA that really got those entrepreneurial juices flowing and you really got that that passion for the business and technology? I, I 
I really always talk, and I was like 100% convinced if we, if you would have asked me that question five or six, 10 years ago, that I was a perfect company man. You know, I was on this track to become like one of the leader Italians where, you know, you have this specific high potential program. And I felt extremely comfortable. I really feel great. But um, I always like a bit of freedom. I don't like that much, actually, the authority. And uh, and indeed, you're right that, you know, by, by being in the MBA and, and looking to the career and the diversity that is in the MBA, so you look in different career paths, what is possible, what is not possible, and you kind of get the feeling that you should dare to get a risk. But what I really like to say about entrepreneurship, a lot of people are asking, uh, you know, is an entrepreneur someone risk taker or is an entrepreneur someone risk adverse that try to really calculate all the outcomes? What I like to say is that an entrepreneur never fails. And it's really important to keep that in mind is that whatever happened, that your company go bankrupt or that you are super successful, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's an amazing journey where you will connect with so many people. Um, and, and today I have a biggest network that I ever had. I know much more investors that I believe there were uh, people on earth that were doing this VC business. So, you know, if tomorrow I have to launch a new business, I would find an investor. If tomorrow I need to find another job, I will have plenty of occasions, but mm. also I have seen a lot of new opportunities. So, you know, it kind of, as an MBA, uh, give you the feeling that there are so many different people that are interacting. This level of diversity in the MBA leads you to think that, that actually you should not be afraid to launch. And you are never failing. Whatever happened, you never fail mm. as an entrepreneur. It's very interesting because I think so many people who are on that corporate ladder think of the huge risks involved in, in in starting a business. But I think you're right. Once you make that jump and you make those connections, you make that network, you put your your heart and soul into it. Other opportunities then then lead from that, regardless of how that first business ends up doing whether it's a huge success or if that business doesn't take off and it's the next opportunity that's that's the one so i think that's very insightful quentin i know we're we're starting fairly early on this monday morning of course been in the insurance coffee house today so what's your go-to coffee of choice you got there this morning I have to say that I either don't sleep because of my business and I'm 24 hours focused on the business. Either I don't sleep because of, of my kids, because, you know, they just don't sleep. So usually, you know, I always start the coffee at home. Uh, so, you know, I really invested in a professional coffee machine at home. Uh, and, and, you know, it's maybe, you know, nine in the morning, but it's already my fourth coffee of the day. But then I will stop like at 11. I stop drinking coffees, but it always starts at home. However, you know, I tend to come by by bike. So, so you know, a coffee, then the bike, and that's it. Very nice. Yeah, it gets you turbocharged for the day. Quentin, if we could start off talking about Cover. First of all, what do you do and what, what are some of the products that you have there? So to make a long story short, Cover is about insurance for disruptive businesses. And, and, and when you, you think about uh, insurance has always been an amazing enabler for businesses um, in, in two different possibilities. For, mm. First of all, uh, maybe a business is looking to upsell or cross-sell insurance to protect the, the goods they are selling. And by upselling or cross-selling insurance, they can generate more revenues. An alternative um, would, would be a business that is looking to uh, use insurance into their strategy as part of customer acquisition, customer retention. 
you know, typically we, we work with Revolut um, and we, we embed insurance into the paid account. So, you know, the Neobank Revolut has different accounts, the free one and then the plus premium and metal, which are paid accounts. We also work with, with Moniz Bank. And, you know, by the idea of those kind of businesses, my people to be a paid customer instead of a free customers. And, and by embedding a lot of uh, protections, then actually somehow you give uh, an incentive for the client to switch uh, to a paid account. And typically there we, we do purchase protection. So purchase protection is a kind of coverage that will protect any purchases you do uh, with your Revolut card for one year, again, accident and, and theft. So why is it a super smart product? Is because first of all, um, uh, you as a free customer, you say, look, actually I can get everything I buy cover if I upgrade my account. But then next time you're going to buy a smartphone or a computer, are you going to use your traditional credit card or your Revolut card or your money's card? And certainly your Revolut or money's one, because you know that if you purchase that good with this card, it will be for free protected for one year. So, you know, in essence, insurance can enable business to generate more revenues, huh? upselling like the car industry has always been pushing insurance or, or to use insurance as part of the acquisition uh, and retention uh, strategy. However, uh, when you look to all the new business models, I'm thinking about neobanks, travel tech, prop tech, new mobility, they are all the same. From day one, they are global and they operate with a centralized tech, centralized sales and marketing, centralized operation. They might have localized operation, but they basically have a centralized cookbook on how to run and operate the businesses. And, and if those new economic players, um, they go to traditional insurance companies, actually there is a complete mismatch because uh, a traditional insurance company is not global. When you think about that global insurance company, they share the brand and the logo, but fundamentally they organize locally. They have a local PNL. So if as a global neobank, you go to a traditional player, they will say, you know, no problem, we can do the deal together. But for your client in France, you will deal with the entity in France, for your client in the UK, with the entity in the UK, and so on and so on. So it's a massive spaghetti. It's super complex. You then end up with different products, different legislation, different pricing. And this is what Cover is solving, is that we are organized the same way than, than those tech players by having a, a centralized approach, centralized tech, digital native on the cloud. And we manage both the tech, the product, and the operation. So we build the product ourselves, we manage the claims, we manage the customer lifetime, we have the tech. So we, we like sometimes to say we are a digital native insurance company without the balance sheet. So we get delegation of authority from big players. But so InCover is all about insurance for disruptive businesses. Fantastic. And Quentin, where is the business at the moment? I know that you're obviously headquartered in Brussels. You've advised me that you're moving into new new offices this morning. Where are you in terms of headcount there? And what are some of the major markets that you're working in at the moment? So first of all, we, we were founded in uh, 2016. Uh, so far, we, we raised uh, $42 million. We are at about um, 100 people, uh, but we are uh, heading towards 150. Uh, so if you want to apply, don't hesitate to apply. Uh, we are indeed based in Brussels. Uh, we have a few people in London. Uh, we, by the way, are opening an office in London uh, following the Brexit. So we can operate in London, in the UK. Uh, but, you know, we have three years to open an office over there and be regulated by the FCA. We are already active in about 40 countries. Uh, so the European Economic Area. 
but we are also active uh, in few countries outside Europe. Uh, in terms of business focus, we have a focus per verticals for the time being. So we have a very strong focus in, in the new mobility, especially about, you know, uh, uh, bike insurance or, 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 or electric cars. We have a big focus in the gig economy. So typically, you know, we we have a Deliveroo, uh, uh, our Voltas client and, and many more. Uh, we are active in the fintech space, uh, Neobanks uh, is a big one. And, and we are also active in the prop tech but that's mainly Belgium and France because the order I mentioned is really global, pan-European and beyond, while the property for the time being is limited to Belgium and France. And, and the name of the game is to continue the, the expansion and, and also to launch more products or more verticals. One of the big steps we are doing is, is working on an expansion to the US for a specific product uh, because some of our partners are growing over there and ask us uh, to, to work together there. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Quinton. Just want to dive a bit deeper into the product we can see. So clearly, you offer quite a wide range of products there from the those payment protection that you're providing for the fintechs, you know, to the cover for the, the cyclists, that bike insurance for people like Deliveroo and some of those gig economy customers. How have you developed these products over, over the years since you started the business? And what are the key benefits for the end policyholders? It's a, it's a good question. Uh, by the way, about the gig economy is not only bike insurance, it's really like, you know, the accident insurance, the liability, the sickness one really to, to protect the community and, and the riders. I think when, when you step back, uh, the definition of insurance is, is diversification. And I fundamentally don't believe in, in a mono product because you lack of diversification in terms of, you know, solvency risk and typology of risk. Uh, by the way, uh, we've been extremely active in the travel insurance. And during the COVID uh, uh, time, uh, basically the business of travel completely collapsed. So I was extremely mm -hmm. happy that we had a diversified uh, product portfolio. I think the step one on our side is to identify which vertical is, is booming and in which vertical is there an opportunity to bring insurance uh, via API and in a pan-European or global perspective. And typically, Neobank is a perfect vertical. Or, you know, the new mobility, we are speaking about bike insurance. A lot of e-bike players that are launching you know, their, their, their e-bikes, they, they don't say that they are selling a bike. They tend to say that they are selling a software that has two wheels. And it's an interesting concept because you really see this disruptive and innovative approach towards the way you think about business, about mobility, about collecting data and so on. So it starts first on our side to identify a vertical in which there is a, a strong opportunity. And we deep dive in defining, okay, what, what's the best product we, we, we could build on the pan-European level. And this is tough because, you know, um, insurance is on one side global because as a Belgian player, we can operate everywhere in Europe. But mm. on the other side, insurance is fundamentally local. Every country has still their own rules in terms of what data you can collect, uh, what are the renewal terms, uh, uh, what is possible in terms of online purchase versus offline purchase. And it's a spaghetti. There is a lot of incoherences among different countries. And mm. we've solved that. So when when... So when you ask, you know, uh, what value are bringing to our clients, I would say we have two types of clients. We, are, we have our partners or B2B partners, you know, uh, getting the insurance to upsell or to, or to use that in the strategy. And for those partners, we bring simplicity uh, because, you know, they like a bike player that want to, uh, in his e-commerce, 
upsell uh, bike insurance. It's a one API integration as simple as integrating, for example, Stripe. Uh, and this simple integration will manage the entire complexity from a regulatory perspective, from tax perspective, from product perspective, and so on and so on. So we bring simplicity, uh, we bring uh, efficiency, um, and, and we, we bring some customer experience. But the positioning of Clover is not about, you know, the, 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 the cheapest product, but the best coverage for your for your businesses. So we are a lot into co-creation because, you know, I really believe that a certain client from certain neobanks really deserve to have the right product that reflect the will and the strategy of these uh, B2B partners. And we are really in a kind of co-creation mode and advice mode because we know what can be done. And we really try to tailor the best, best product ever. Why we also do that? And it's simple because it's also the reputation of our partners. If a client buy a bike insurance via, for example, we are active with Cowboy, uh, a bike player, um, if they buy a bike insurance with us on the Cowboy website and the coverage is just not good, they will complain on Cowboy, not on Cover. So it's our duty to really protect the reputation of our partners. In terms of the final users, we cover, we believe in a lot in, in embedded insurance. And you know, embedded insurance is exactly what we do, is embedding insurance into neobank, into gig players, into e-commerce. And, and there are a lot of virtue uh, of great things about embedded insurance. First of all, you know, it's about inclusion. Uh, I call it insurance inclusion because a lot of products, if you buy them on a standalone basis, they are extremely expensive. It's about anti-selection. Let's take an example of a freelance uh, who is a rider of a gig players. If he wants to buy a traditional insurance to protect himself against in case of an accident, permanent incapacity, temporary incapacity or sickness, and he go to a traditional player and he say, look, you know, uh, I'm a guy that is delivering food as fast as possible on the bike, on the e-scooters. The insurance will be extremely expensive, will be actually too expensive in regards to his revenues. But mm -hmm. by, by embedding insurance, actually you make insurance affordable for free that can cover everyone. Uh, a second perspective on that one, and it's also part of insurance inclusion or financial inclusion, is insurance is extremely complex and sophisticated. Mm. It's based on the civil code. It's about law, you know? So people that say, you know, I'm going to revolution insurance and make things simple. This is for me total bullshit. Mm. Insurance is boring and complex and it will remain boring and complex. But by embedding insurance, you relieve, you remove the obligation of the user to understand. You remove the, the, the need to be extremely educated by, you know, ourselves building the right coverage to cover anyone. Insurance is about caring, is about protecting, and everything we build, when we create our product, when we create our approach, we really think about those concepts of caring and, and protecting and insurance inclusions for the final users, of course. I think that's fantastic. And clearly, you can see the passion that you have for that when you talk about that, Quentin. I think what you're doing there, enabling those tech companies, enabling those fast, high-growth businesses to be able to offer protection to their workers to their to their gig economy workers is is just fantastic i think if you know without that it'd be a very disjointed market there would be incredible levels of inequality there in terms of protection you know those businesses will not be able to grow as as quickly as they are right now so clearly you're in a, a really fast and high growth market you're providing a, a great solution you know for those technology companies and also for for their for their workers how do you see the insurance market 
changing and evolving over the next few years? And what businesses do you think will be successful during these times of change? It's a very, very complicated question. You know, first of all, if you step back, what is insurance about? It's about connecting the capital uh, to the economy. And, and the question is, how can you be extremely efficient to connect this capital to the economy in a kind of frictionless way, uh, mm -hmm. in a very smooth way? And there are a lot of things that, that, are, that are happening. First of all, a lot of people are working on on you know automation of of the value chain i don't know if you are aware of parametric insurance i believe a lot into parametric insurance so so for people that don't know what is parametric insurance is about you know usually when there is a claim or there is a damage you will need an expert that will come and see okay what's the value of this damage and it's a long process it's a complex one parametric insurance as an example would be you know to define a specific triggering event and in case of this triggered event, then you have a defined payout. As an example, flight delay, there are enough database of flight where you could say, okay, if your flight is delayed by more than one hour, you get 300 euros, huh? uh, illustrative example. Um, and that could be an extremely, extremely good way to fully automate the process, the value chains. You have that in crop insurance, uh, you can do a lot of things. So for me, you know, parametric insurance is one way. Uh, going into the a new distribution and this is the game we are doing so we don't really do parametric we are focused on the new distribution when i was you know working at, at a traditional insurer uh you know they, they they were always thinking about you know the name of the game in insurance is about distribution because you don't wake up and you say i want to buy a product so you need to be at the right moment in life to push your product and and the traditional player they will think about you know, we sell insurance via traditional broker, via our tied agent, uh, via maybe a traditional bank, or let's be crazy. Let's put, you know, on our website, the possibility to buy a motor insurance. And, and you know, for me, this is a kind of good evolution and they are looking how to equip or to digitalize this value chain. But this is for me, not the right, um, the right war. The right war is about the new distribution that is occurring through disruptive business that completely reinvent uh, our interaction with the society. Let's take the example of, of mobility. Uh, in the future, instead of buying a car, uh, you will actually more pay like a monthly subscription of mobility mm. that will, you know, share like kick scooters, bike, whatever. Mm. And you will maybe have even autonomous car where you push on the button and a self-driving car will pick you up and drop you where, where you want. So in this new economy, the question is what will be the insurance? Because you don't own stuff, so you don't want to protect or insure that mm. stuff. But rather, is the platform bringing the, the new mobility solution that will take care of you by embedded insurance, uh, embedding insurance with all the right protection uh, for yourself, for the belongings you are. So I really believe that, that the biggest evolution that will occur is certainly about embedded insurance. Mm. And I dream of a society where, where you know, whatever happens, everybody is safe and you don't care. It's a kind of on-steroid social security for everyone, but also a kind of security for every business. But I believe a lot, as I say, in, in the evolution of parametric insurance, in digitization, because, you know, the world will remain traditional in a lot of different products and services. Digitalization is great. But my my perspective, the big thing is about embedded insurance. And are you already distributing that embedded insurance through the electric bikes program? You, you mentioned earlier, it's moved from a transaction rather than just going out and purchasing an electric bike. And at that point, you make a decision whether you want to take out insurance or not. You're actually buying a digital membership, a subscription and as part of that membership. At any one point, you can upgrade or you can elect to, to take insurance or it's already 
embedded and already included within that subscription is is that how things work at the moment on that so, basis so so yeah so we have um and, and again for me embedded there, there are two definitions um the, the first definition is is a kind of vertical integration where uh in one tick the box you can decide to buy the coverage yourself as a final users yeah. but it's super simple it's a one tick the box and it's exactly the right product you need for the right thing and and the second embedded is you even don't see it it's fully integrated you don't need to tick in it's you are protected whatever happened and today we do both um typically with bike insurance is the first model where in one tick the box you can add the right product in gig economy on neobanks is the second model is a full embedded one but in terms of new mobility we are active with with uh, poppy um in belgium which is a free floating uh, car sharing car uh, solution uh, from the group volkswagen audi uh for the the belgian importer of volkswagen audi and typically we are doing that and now we are looking with them to expand this solution and their global mobility solution they have a company uh, that is taking care of of the full mobility plan but we don't have yet fully autonomous car but hopefully it will come in a couple of years not too far away not too far away it actually brings us nicely onto the espresso round now where the questions are short sharp and straight to the point i know you've, you normally have uh, four coffees by 11am in the morning Are you ready for the espresso round yes i am the espresso round quentin what percentage of your employees are from an insurance background from an insurance career compared to a non-insurance career we roughly have 20% of everything we have 20% insurance and legal 20% tech 20% operation 20% product and 20% business development and marketing. So per se, we are both a tech and an insurance company and a global business. Fantastic. And if we just can focus now on 20% of those people who have made that career journey like you have working in the traditional insurance market and, and moving to a technology business like yours, what value can they bring to a technology business like Cover? Uh, we are an insure tech so we combine both the need for deep insurance understanding and and deep tech un- understanding first of all we need people what does matter is the mindset of people is the people that are ready to to do things that they have no clue how to solve the problem but they just get started yep. and we will see where it ends especially that you know as i mentioned earlier we are doing pan european insurance solution so we need people that will deep dive on you know what is the insurance right uh, in 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 malta in uh, in spain in portugal in the uk and in that matter you need autonomous people so what we are looking for is typically people that are coming from large corporation large insurance companies that are not too formatted yet so you know a career from 5 to 12 years is ideal but that really want to do something completely different and they have the mindset to to try to do stuff if we don't have time to teach them how to do that we basically like to say that as a leader we tell them where we want to go but how we go there and and what to do to go there we leave it to our people and what would you say are the personalities from those insurance companies that best suit working at an insure tech business like yours I don't think there is an, an an archetype actually it's very funny but you know sometimes there are people that on paper I would have never hired them and then you meet them and you say wow they are so great so cool they fit so we focus first on the cultural fit uh, that's first of all because you could be like a product manager a project manager a, a legal person really focus more on the cultural aspect the mindset the soft skills 
they've been working in an insurance company, they have kind of specific art skills we need. But interesting, you know, there is no specific profiles. However, the one we are looking the most is really the people specialize in insurance product development, because you don't have many people that really know about what's the concept of an underwriting rules, what's the concept of terms and conditions, what are the legal constraints, what is what does the regulation mean? You know, we are in a heavily regulated market. And you need often those people are, are very much local into one country or if like too much blue energy. So really like you know everything is white or, or black and, and they are not confident to operate in a gray zone. And so this is why you know uh, we need this mindset that people you know dare to to do stuff and go ahead. Fantastic. Thank you, Quentin. What would you say are the opportunities compared with, you know, legacy insurance companies, those corporate insurance businesses? What would you say are the opportunities of working for a company like Cover? Uh, you know, I, I should call my HR recruiter to give me some arguments. No, I, I, I think first of all is, you know, we focus on disruptive businesses. Huh? So, yeah. you know, uh, when you work at Cover, instead of working with like a traditional SME or companies, you work with, with Revolut, you work with Moniz Bank, you work with Cobo, you work with Deliveroo, you work with Vault, you know. So this is kind of super exciting because, you know, it's the same NDA, you know, it's the same mindset. It's it's super entrepreneurial from a customer relationship perspective. Secondly, you know, um, uh, you know, we are not extremists. We have processes. We are, you know, and, and I like to say sometimes that the first thing we've done is not a business plan to launch cover, but it's a business continuity plan huh? because we are in the regulated market and we have to do that. So on one side, we have to be serious. We have to be organized with processes, but we really have the, the full autonomy and we really give a chance to people to be entrepreneurs. Everybody at cover gets stock options. Because we really want that everybody feel that they are owners of this business, that they want to, you know, uh, innovate, to pioneer beyond imagination. And it's really this question of pioneering, doing new stuff, being global, pan-European, because often if you work for an insurance company, you work for only one specific country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a tech-driven environment with a lot of, you are a lot of autonomous, I would say, in, in the way you can do stuff. And I know that you've grown very quickly over the last couple of years in terms of the people that you've been attracting to the business. Have you found, has there been any frustrations at all or have you found anything lacking when recruiting people out of the insurance industry? No, not really. I, I think something that has been a bit frustrating is is we grew a lot during uh, the confinement and the COVID period. So we hire a lot of people via, via Google Meet or Zoom. So it's a bit, you know, a change of paradigm to hire people without meeting them physically. But I cannot say it's a frustration. It was the same for everyone, except that we significantly grew. I think what is a bit more difficult, you know, we are based in Belgium. So Belgium is, is a great country because, you know, you have the talent, you have the infrastructure, uh, typically like the headquarters of, of Swift or MasterCard is in Belgium. So you can find a lot of engineers, product and so on. But the tech ecosystem or the entrepreneur ecosystem is not the same than in London, in Paris or in Berlin. Huh? So so what is sometimes difficult when you hire people from in Belgium is that they pretty much have a corporate vision 
And it is not bad. However, what they expect is to have the same package than, than being in a corporate. And at the same time, we have all the advantage of a startup. And, and you know, uh, I would say that some corporates are paying quite well because, you know, they are so boring that the only way they can keep talent is to pay them a lot. So, so basically, we pay a lot, plus we give all the advantage of a startup. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, that is the challenge, isn't it? That having, you know, if someone has got that entrepreneurial mindset um, and they want to be involved in a fast business, stock options feel real value of the company. You know, I think generally they're the people you want rather than the guys who want all the benefits of that high salary that they might have enjoyed at the at the traditional insurance company. Yeah, but uh, you know, depending on where they are in life and what we tend to forget, uh, same for entrepreneurs, is that at the same moment you, you get mortgages, you grow your family, you have kids, you have to pay the tuition fee, the schooling, and so on. So you know you have a minimum that you need. And and if you come from a corporate where you have been running a certain amount, basically you have increased your standard of, of living and it's almost impossible to reduce it. So you know, I, I don't say I it's not a negative signal for me, I understand it. But I think it's a mindset that needs to change in our country. But we are hiring outside Belgium. Huh? We are hiring in France, in, in Spain, in, in the UK. So we don't have limits over there. But it's true that as a Belgian business, we have a lot of, of Belgian people. Uh, fantastic. Final question in the espresso round, Quentin. If there are any executives or insurance leaders out there at the moment considering that move to an insure tech business, what preparation should they be doing now in order to make that a successful switch? I would say don't do it. <laughs> don't do it because, you know, the the difficulty in, in the insure tech space is that you have really to combine this, this tech approach and tech approach means everything needs to go fast, that it's a fundamentally different way of doing businesses. But insurance is a heavily regulated business. So, so you know, sometimes you are, you know, uh, in a very tough situation where you just cannot do what you want to do because of regulatory constraints. Mm -hmm. uh, if tomorrow, you know, you, you launch a SaaS business, a tech business, you don't have any regulation, you basically can do whatever you want. So, you know, I, I think you get it. If I can launch a new business, I would do something absolutely not regulated. But, but you know, you need to be prepared for that. Uh, you need to be prepared that uh, it's a very fast-moving environment. Mm -hmm. And I think the best things you should do is to really try to first understand what is happening in the world outside uh, your own company. Because, you know, I told you I started at Allianz, and what I've seen at Allianz is that I was absolutely unaware about the disruption happening outside the walls of my company. Mm -hmm. And and by you, you going to like, you know, insurtech events, fintech events, uh, uh, reading or listening to those kind of podcasts we are doing today, it's mm -hmm. really about opening your eyes and, mm -hmm. and bringing awareness to those leaders of tomorrow is critical before they dare to move on. Absolutely. I think it's so important to do that and to have those discussions with people who have already made that move and really find out about the ins and outs of the industry. What are the opportunities there? Because for that person, it might seem like a great opportunity, but actually there are better opportunities out there, better suited to them. So I think speaking to as many people as possible is, is always a good thing. Quentin, we're almost at the end of our time today. Time has certainly flown by. Before we finish, though, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about reaching out to you after the show? I know you're certainly hiring very quickly at the moment. So how would people go about reaching out to you? 
For me, the biggest piece of advice I could give to anyone is it's all about the journey and it's a human journey and it's all about good karma. It's all about, you know, in whatever you do, always take the high road, even when things go wrong or whatever. And, and you really genuinely put and think about the human relationship and make sure that when you do something, you get around you good karma people. If you look to the VC world and the investor world, I would say the majority of them have a really strong and good karma, but there are still some bad karma people and you need to avoid them. Uh, also in relationship, don't lose time uh, uh, with people that you know it will not work or have different perspective in, into life and into the way doing businesses. Having said that, uh, always take the high road. So because you never know how people change or how they can come back in your life. But, you know, the big advice is, you know, just do it. It's all about the journey and the journey is amazing. And as I say at the beginning, as an entrepreneur, you never fail because you create much more contacts and connection and you learn much more than you could have ever, ever learned otherwise. Awesome. Thank you for that, Quinta. I think that's such great advice. And I'm sure our listeners, whether they're from the insurance industry or insure tech, will certainly be listening to that. Quinton, if there are people who would like to reach out to you after the show, what would be the best way of them contacting you? Okay. The best is always to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the easy way uh, to do that. And I, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's big. I, I start to think that I should hire someone to take care of my LinkedIn request contact. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I, I pay a lot of attention and, and I will be always keen to answer and to help. It's that networking that we discussed earlier. It's, it's so vital and critical and uh, LinkedIn is a great platform for that. Quinton, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed speaking to you, not only about cover but about the insure tech market and industry in general and, and some of the great advice that you have for our listeners so thank you for joining us on this show today thanks a lot nick to all the insurance and insure tech leaders out there wherever you are listening around the world today we thank you for tuning in and i'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learning from our guest today if you did enjoy the show please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.